1: What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our good friends at MyBookie. They have extended our promo code that's exclusive to you guys, listeners of the Glory UGA podcast, for the rest of the football season. Initially, it was just for the month of September. They were seeing so much traction with it. You guys have been awesome with this that they said, What the heck? Let's go ahead and let's extend it the rest of the season. So if you have not gotten in yet, you still have time to do so. All you have to do is go to mybookie.ag, sign up for a new account, use the promo code UGA, and they will double your very first deposit. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with mybookie. I am your host, Tyler, and this is the episode each week where I give you a deep dive into our weekly opponent. Well, at least that's what I usually do this time of the week. And I will give you a preview of the Vandy game. That's going to happen. It is an SEC game, and I don't want to put the disrespect vibes out there into the world. Yeah, I know that we do have an overwhelming talent edge in this game, but while I might not be superstitious, I am a little stitious for all you Office fans out there. So I don't want to just completely ignore this game. I don't want to disrespect Vandy like that. So we're going to have at least a short Vandy preview But I also know that there probably isn't a single one of you listening out there that actually wants to listen to me dive into an hour-long preview of the Vandy game. So yeah, I get that, which means I'll keep the Vandy preview short. I will, I promise. And then I will give you guys version 3.0 of my SEC power rankings. It's been a couple weeks, and we have a lot more information to work off of. We've seen a lot more of these teams. So I will revisit and update those power rankings after we get through this quick Vandy game preview. But let's go ahead and dive right into it, guys. Vandy, the Vanderbilt Commodores. I don't know how many of you listen to Kirby's press conferences every week, but if you happen to check that out or at least read the updates of the press conference, you heard him say that Vandy might be the most improved team in the entire SEC. And I had to think about that. Like, Okay, well, huh, the most improved team in the entire SEC. I don't know if I would go that far but I don't think it's crazy to say that if we just took out the most improved part and just said Vandy's a really improved team I would 100% buy into that because yeah they are a very improved team from what we saw out of this program last year I mean at least offensively I mean this is a Vanderbilt football team that went over 400 yards of offense only two times last season guys Two out of 12 games, they went over 400 yards. Well, halfway through the season, six games in, they've already doubled that number this year. They also already have a 600-burger on the board. They put up a little over 600 yards against Hawaii in week zero. And I know, yeah, it's Hawaii. I I understand that, guys. Hawaii is one of the worst teams in all of FBS football. But guys, we are talking about Vanderbilt here. This is a team not, not only lost to East Tennessee State at home last season, They only put up 321 yards of offense in that game against East Tennessee State. Guys, we held them to under 100 total yards last year. We held them to 77 yards, 1.7 yards per play last year. This is an offense that was shut out twice last year and held in single digits, held six points or fewer four times, 30% of their games last year. That's how bad they were. So I do not care that it was Hawaii, one of the worst teams in FBS that they put up over 600 yards on. It's still a living, breathing team. They had actual living, breathing human beings on that team. And Vanderbilt, it doesn't matter who they were playing last year. It doesn't matter if it was East Tennessee State guys. It doesn't matter if it was UConn, one of the worst teams in, in the FBS last year. They couldn't come close to touching 600 yards against anyone. They couldn't do that in their wildest dreams. So it's, it's certainly improvement for this Vanderbilt offense but it it doesn't stop there I mean this team is finding ways to to move the ball relatively consistently I mean they they only had two games last year where they had at least 20 first downs they already have three halfway through the year including last week against Ole Miss, an SEC opponent, a very good SEC opponent team that's undefeated right now. But it doesn't stop there. Let's just compare some of these numbers from last year and this year. So total offense, which is, I mean, it it is what it is. It's not the greatest metric out there, but it tells you something, right? You can compare two different teams from different years. Total offense last year, Vanderbilt averaged 312.8 yards per game, which was dead last in the SEC. This year, 379.8 379.8 yards per game, which is not great. But again, guys, we're talking about a, a, a 65-ish yard improvement from last year. They're all the way up to 10th. You are still not great, but all the way up to 10th in the SEC in total offense this year. Last year, They were dead last once again in yards per play offensively, only averaging 4.52 yards per play. This year, they're averaging 5.83, almost a yard and a half more than they were last year. That's a significant improvement offensively. Scoring offense, same story. They averaged 15.8 points per game last year Once again, dead last in the SEC. They were dead last in all these categories, guys. That's how bad they were. You know how bad they were. This year, though, I mean, they're not good, but they're kind of middle of the pack in the SEC, averaging 33.2 points per game. That's more than double the points they were averaging last year. Total defense last year, they averaged 457 yards allowed per game, dead last. This year, uh, actually, still dead last. This is the thing. They're still really bad defensively. They're much, much better offensively. Defensively, they are still a train wreck. In fact, they might actually be worse this year. That's what the numbers tell you. Because this year, they're giving up 479.5 yards per game. Now, that's with a game against Alabama. So that kind of skews things a little bit. But, you know, every now and then, you got to play the big boys in the SEC. Yards per play defensively, same story. They gave up 6.75 yards per play last year, dead last. This year, they're still dead last, 6.88 yards per play. Scoring defense, last year, 35.8 points per game, dead last and you guessed it dead last this year in scoring defense 36.8 points per game and here's another number for you real quick so they are they're much more efficient and much more explosive than they were offensively last year guys they already have 14 plays of 30 or more yards this season why does that matter who cares well they had 14 plays of 30 or more yards all of last season halfway through the year they have already equaled that metric so again much improved offense defensively they are no better in fact maybe even slightly worse but what does that all add up to well it adds up to a variable team that is is not decent they're not quite that good but they're not as terrible as they were last year they're more competent than they were last year, which is, that's progress. I know it's not where any program wants to be, but it's progress for Vandy. They are 3-3 three and three on the year right now. They've already hit the over on their preseason win total. In fact, they did that in the month of September before we even moved to October. The preseason win total was 2.5. I had a small, small bet on that. Didn't win a lot of money on that. But hey, profit is profit, baby. I'll take it. So yeah, the numbers tell you this team is improved, at least offensively. And I think when you watch them play you see that with your with your eyes, with the eye test. Like, they do look better. They look more competent. Again, at least on offense, defensively, they are a train wreck, which was, honestly, I thought they might get better defensively before they would offensively because Clark Lee is a defensive guy, and I thought they might get that side of the ball fixed, but it has not been fixed to this point. So let, let's look more at this offense. What accounts for the improvement, for the difference this year compared to last year and I think you have to start with quarterback play because that's where it all starts for any offense if you have a quarterback you can win some games you can move the football if you don't you are in trouble and Vandy has not had a quarterback for a little while now and I I don't know how good this guy's gonna end up being but for a true freshman he's been pretty damn good A.J. Swan is his name he did not start the season as a starter a guy named Mike Wright who's really dynamic with his legs I mean if you guys watch that Vandy game the Vandy Hawaii game in uh in week zero he broke off a long one and look at that dude was running 35 miles an hour I mean that dude was moving but he was I mean he is a liability in the passing game he's just not a competent passer A.J. Swan gives him a little bit of 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 both worlds there. He's a much better passer. He understands coverages better. He's a more accurate passer than the Mike Wright could ever dream of being. And he's not the athlete that Mike Wright is, because Mike Wright is an elite athlete, but he's still mobile. He can still run. He can still do things with with his legs. You can do a little bit of quarterback run game with him. You can escape the pocket, you know, escape pressure, those kind of things. He's got some mobility to his game. And right now he's working with a 63% completion percentage averaging 7.7 yards per attempt. And here's probably what's most impressive for me with A.J. Swam. You consider that he is a freshman. Eight touchdowns, which is good, solid, but I do think it becomes even more impressive when you consider that he did not even start the first three games of the year. He did not start until their fourth game of the year against Northern Illinois. He's only started three games. And what he threw, four touchdowns. Northern Northern Illinois did not throw a touchdown against Alabama because they did not score a touchdown against Alabama. They lost that game 55-3, but did throw two more touchdowns against Ole Miss last week. Threw a couple touchdowns in relief, I think, in the, in the Wake Forest game. But this is a guy that, that can do some things for them offensively. I think they can build around him. He makes really good decisions with the football. Has not turned it over, at least in, in terms of throwing interception yet. So he's the reason, guys. He is the reason why... This are the primary reason I should say why this offense has taken a step forward and looks more competent and looks like they can actually like somewhat compete even in the SEC. I'm getting oh Miss's defense is actually like don't look now. We'll talk about this a little bit later. They're actually good this year for the first time ever, under Lane Kiffin. And he played pretty well against them. Now Bama was a rough look. He was 13 of 26 for 115 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. There's that. So obviously that, that's the outlier here. He did not play well against them, but it's it's also variable against Alabama what is his offensive line going to be able to do against guys like Will Anderson and Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell? Not much, right? You know, you have to have a little bit of help there. So he really had no chance in that game. But against teams like Northern Illinois, Ole Miss, solid. I mean, he was 27-38 for 281, two touchdowns, no picks last week against a good Ole Miss defense, at least a defense that is performing at a high level right now for the Ole Miss Rebels. So that is the first big thing that this Vanderbilt offense just did not have last year. But that's not the only thing. He actually has some playmakers around him. A guy named Will Shepard is actually fourth in the SEC right now in receiving yards. You probably haven't heard of him because you probably don't watch Vanderbilt play. But he's a pretty good player, guys. 35 catches for 452 yards, averaging 13 yards to catch. Eight touchdowns, which actually is first in the SEC among pass catchers. He was kind of wasting away when Mike Wright was the quarterback. But insert A.J. Swan. All of a sudden, he comes to life. And this guy is hes a pretty big-time wide receiver. And then Jade McGowan is a really interesting prospect to watch. He's a smaller, shifty guy, really, really explosive athlete. They use him in the return game. He's got 29 catches for 380 yards, two touchdowns. And then a running back, Ramon Davis is not a game breaker. He's not an elite running back, but he's a really tough physical back. A good SEC back. Has good vision. He's got 507 yards rushing right now. He's kind of a workhorse type back, averaging 4.7 yards per carry. So they will feed him the football. They'll work some play action off of that. So he does have some playmakers around him more than they had to work with last year. So when you have a much improved quarterback situation and you got some playmakers around him, you see why this offense is a little bit better than they were last year. I mean, now, they still don't have a very good offensive line, and even without Jalen Carter, we should be able to control the line of scrimmage. We absolutely should. There's no excuse for us not being able to. I think this is a game where we can get a couple sacks. get some pressure on him. He is mobile, can escape the pocket, but we usually do a pretty good job with quarterbacks like that. But at the very least, they are more equipped to hurt us than they were last year last year they were just impotent they had no chance again under 100 yards of total offense that's not going to be the case this year I don't think they're going to have a ton of success against our defense but they'll probably go over 77 yards you know if I had to put some money on that I'd put a lot of money on that because this offense is improved now defensively I mean it's it's bad guys. It's bad. And it's not a really a scheme thing. I, I have a lot of respect for Clark Lee. This guy is he was the former defensive coordinator at Notre Dame, you know, when we played them a couple times and Kirby was pretty open about it. He's like, yeah, we met with him and like we took some things from him. We took some ideas from him that we incorporated into our own defense. This guy knows football. He's a very, very good defensive coordinator, great defensive mind. But it doesn't matter how great of a defensive mind you are when you're just outclassed like that in your conference every single week. They just still don't have the players. It's as simple as that. They are trying to build out that side of the ball, but man, like right now, they just don't have those guys. And it's really at all levels of the defense. They don't have any playmakers on the defensive line. There's no one of noted inside inside linebacker, outside linebacker, the second level secondary is a sieve I mean you can pretty much do whatever you want to this venerable defense that's been the case at least so far this season and I don't see why that would be any different this year but again kind of wrap this up real quick this team is improved like Kirby said he's not wrong I don't know if they're the most improved team in the SEC Mississippi State might have something to say about that the Ole Miss defense itself might have something to say about that Tennessee's taking another step obviously at least we think they kind of have a little bit but Vanderbilt is certainly at least in the conversation, and, and like I said a few minutes ago, they do, guys. They have enough playmakers on offense, and they are operating at a high enough level on that side of the ball to potentially exploit some breakdowns that we might have in our secondary, somewhere in our defense. If we play with poor technique, take batting angles to the football, get our eyes in the wrong place, play with poor eye, eye discipline, all those kind of things. Well, they have enough guys on offense, and they're and they're functioning. Well enough right now to potentially take advantage of those opportunities, which again wasn't really the case last year because they were just so dysfunctional. This year, their offense coordinator is a new guy. His name's Joey Lynch. He's just got a better plan. When you watch them play, they look like they have a plan offensively. Last year, they had no idea what they wanted to do, but now Joey Lynch he's got a plan. He does a good job packaging plays. He plays to the strengths of his personnel, and that's also another reason for the improvement of this Vanderbilt offense. And look, guys, I know it sounds like I'm trying to make them out to be some great team. I I, I promise you I'm not trying to. I'm just trying to give you some insight into – Who this team is, and the fact that they are at least slightly improved from last year. But I promise you, I'm not trying to make them out to be anything that they are not. They still aren't even on the same planet as we are from a roster standpoint. They should have no chance to even remotely stay in this game. I mean, the closest thing that they've played to us is Bama, right? Like Bama and Georgia, kind of like one two in the SEC. At least we think right now in that top three: Georgia, Bama, and maybe maybe Tennessee. We'll we'll see about that after this weekend. But against Bama this improved offense, which, which, yes, it is improved, as I've laid out for you guys. Well, I mean, they averaged 2.5 yards to play, only 129 total yards against Bama, and a 55-3 to beatdown. So that should probably be pretty instructive in terms of what we can expect this weekend, but still, like, let's not completely disrespect them. The offense is improved, and, and there's that for Vandy defensively. I mean... If we struggle to move the ball against this defense, um, I might freak out. I've told you guys that every week where we have a game where we don't perform to our standard and everyone thinks that we should perform, whether it's Kent State, whether it's Missouri, whatever – and Curtis and I always come on come on here, and one of the questions I always ask is, like, "Okay, Kurt, like, what is your level of concern right now?" Right, and we're, like I think the highest we've gotten to is like a three on a scale of one to ten. Right, so I've been you know pretty low key when it comes to level of concern. I feel like this team's going to figure it out. We have a lot of talent, all those kind of things. If we do not move the ball with consistency against this venerable defense, um, that concern level might be raised up to like nine because they are that bad. We should be able to do pretty much whatever we want. Injuries doesn't matter we should be able to do whatever we want against this Vanderbilt defense they will give us a little bit more of a challenge offensively than um at least their offense or our defense than what we've seen from Vandy in the past couple years but again it's Vandy and we should be able to win this game like like maybe not to the degree that Bama did but certainly like in that range I don't think that's inconceivable but all right guys, I promised to keep that Vandy preview short. And I, I think I did a decent job there. 15 minutes or so, right? Maybe a little less than 15 minutes. So didn't totally disrespect them, gave them some respect, talked about them a little bit, told you their offense has improved, all that fun stuff. But before we move on, I do want to quickly remind you about our friends at MyBookie. Yes. Our promo code has been extended through the remainder of the college football season. Still plenty of time for you guys to get in on the action. Charlie will be back with me later this week for our Week 7 Picks of the Week, and we gave you some more winners last week, guys. We're trying. We're trying our best to put money in your pocket. All you got to do to make that possible is go to mybookie, mybookie.ag, sign up for a new account, use the promo code UGA when you do so, And you will get a 100% bonus on whatever your first deposit is. And you don't have to deposit a lot. If you only wanna put like 20 bucks in there, cool, you have 40 bucks to play with. You just wanna mess around a little bit, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, 200 bucks, 500 bucks, whatever it is that you wanna put in there, they're gonna double it. And you really can't beat that deal, guys. So let's take advantage of it while we can right now. We're gonna give you guys some winners, we're gonna do our part. You do your part, sign up for an account, and we will put some money in your pockets. Again, that's promo code UGA when you sign up for a new account at mybookie.ag. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with mybookie. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Okay, guys, let's move into version 3.0 of my SEC power rankings. I've updated these rankings a couple times already this season, but now that we are essentially halfway through the season it's time to revisit and update once again now that we have a lot more information to operate off of we've seen a lot more of these teams so let's go ahead and dive right into it just like the first couple versions I'm going to start at the bottom and work my way up and at the bottom speaking of Vanderbilt we have the Vanderbilt Commodores coming in 14th in my SEC power rankings as I laid out for you guys yes they are improved this year But it's still going to be an uphill battle to get one SEC win. I mean, if you look at their schedule, who could that one team possibly be? Well, they almost beat South Carolina in Columbia last year. It was a 21-20 game. They, They almost got that one. Can they do it this year? Can they actually sneak up and get South Carolina when they visit Nashville this year? Probably not, but I don't think it's inconceivable. I don't think it's out of the question. I think that might be their best shot. If they got Missouri at home, maybe that Missouri defense is pretty good, though, but they got to go to Como, so I, I just don't know where that win's going to come, but Vanny's improved, just not enough to be anything more than dead last in my SEC power rankings. Poor Vandy. Sorry, guys. Moving on up, let's go to number 13, and this is a little bit of a change. This is our first change in version 3.0. Coming in at number 13, it's not the Missouri Tigers like I had in version 1.0 and version 2.0. It is the other Tigers. Well, one of the other Tigers. It is the Auburn Tigers, the team that we saw last week. We put a beating on them 42-10. to Should have been 42-3. Could have been worse than that, obviously. But Auburn is not good, guys. You saw that. Auburn is not a good football team. Yes, at quarterback, Robbie Ashford is a great athlete. He's a dynamic athlete. But he's just not ready to play that position in the SEC. Maybe he's ready to play it like FCS level, maybe at a group of five program, maybe, but not in the SEC. We've seen that. And on top of that, you have another bad offensive line that has some injuries on that offensive line, especially at center. And Tank Bigsby has been consistently balled up because of, of all of that, whether it's issues at quarterback, offensive line, he's had no room to operate. And he's the best player, the most talented player that they have on their offense, but they can't even really activate him because they have no quarterback. Teams don't respect the pass game. Offensive line can't handle a, a loaded box. And the result is they can't run the football. And Tank, Tank Bigsby has just been completely stifled all year long. And then defensively, you know, we, we saw it last week. This is a paper-thin defense. They were already kind of thin coming into the year because they just haven't been recruiting very well in the past couple of years. So they don't have a ton of really quality depth. And they had some injuries to guys like Liotta Liota who was their, probably the second best player on their defense. He got hurt a couple of weeks ago against LSU. So it's a truly a paper-thin defense in terms of quality talent. And they just got gashed by a Georgia offense for 292 yards on the ground. This is a Georgia offense that could not run the ball. You all saw that. We were all losing our minds over it. Could not run the ball at all for three quarters against Missouri before exploding for over 100 in that fourth quarter. So Auburn, they have dropped. Not much. They were 12th, but they have dropped a spot down to 13. And there's a pretty big gap between Auburn and Vandy. I will say that but Auburn is coming in at number 13. Sorry, not sorry, Tiger fans. Not sorry at all. And then coming in at number 12. Now, this is another team that has dropped ever so slightly. The South Carolina Gamecocks. They have been number 11 in my power rankings, I think in version 1.0 and 2.0. I'm double checking. Yeah, they have. They were number 11 in each of my first two editions of my power rankings, they've dropped a spot. And I know you might be wondering, like, how does that work, Tyler? They just went into Lexington and beat Kentucky, a a top 15 Kentucky team on the road. And Shane Beamer, of course, wanted to let everyone know about it. But, I mean, you guys know me. I'm a context guy. I watched that entire game. I'm sure some of you did. There was no Will Levis in that game, guys. And Kentucky always already struggles offensively without Will Levis with a guy that has played basically no snaps for them he's got to take over and start an SEC game even if it is at home I mean it's not going to work out well for Kentucky and even despite all that it was still only a 7-7 game at half but when I look at this South Carolina offense Spencer Rattler is not good like he's just not he is not a good quarterback it is a travesty that this guy was ranked as a five star coming to high school, one of the all time misses. I mean, I know he's been like uh, functional, I guess, is what you could call him. It's the best thing you can say about him. But five star? Are you kidding me? And you can kind of watch the tape, and not just the tape. But if you just knew this kid's background, his personality coming out of high school, you knew this kid was not a winner. He, he's not. He's just not a winner. This bottom line. But he, he's bad. But there, are, there are maybe a few playmakers starting to emerge around him. Marshawn Lloyd, I think it's a really good running back, and Juice Wells at receiver. But when your quarterback is just not it and he's not that guy, you're going to have a tough time. And, and they just, their the roster, if you look at the roster, 1 through 85 scholarship players, I mean, who are they more talented than on their schedule? I mean, honestly, like who? Okay, maybe Missouri. I think you could make that argument. Although Missouri's been recruiting pretty well lately under Eli Drinkwitz. I mean, that's, I think it's actually relatively even in terms of overall talent between South Carolina and Kentucky. I mean, they're more talented than Vanderbilt. Are they more talented than Auburn? I, I don't, I don't think so, but I mean, it's probably pretty close there, because Auburn's recruiting has not been really good under Brian Harris in the past couple years. It wasn't good for a couple years prior to that anyway, so it's not a really talented team. You don't have the answer that you thought you had at quarterback, has some decent playmakers around him, but it's just not a good football team, bottom line. Yes, they beat Kentucky, good for them, but if Will Levis plays that game, they might have been in it, but they would not. I don't think they would have won that game. I, I just, I'll just i go ahead and put that out there. So I got South Carolina down a spot to number 12. Now, South Carolina has dropped a spot. Auburn has dropped a spot. So who has moved up? Well, that would be the Missouri Tigers. They are up from number 13 in each of my first two versions of these power rankings. And the reason for that is I think this Missouri defense might actually be pretty good. I mean, they've held two of their last three SEC opponents to under 300 total yards. You guys know what they did to us. They gave us fits for two and a half quarters before, yeah, we finally figured it out. But for two and a half quarters, man... It was touch and go. I did not know if we were making it out of that place alive. I didn't know if our offense was ever gonna get get it together in that game. Fortunately, we did, but they certainly made it tough on us. And they also and they got blown out by Kansas State, but that was because their quarterback threw four interceptions. They held Kansas State, who's a good, solid football team in the Big 12 this year, they held them to just over 350 yards of total offense, and that was on the road. So the Missouri defense is actually good, guys. I mean, they're not an elite defense, but they're a good, solid SEC defense. Blake Baker is an awesome defense coordinator. This guy's going to be a rising star in the profession. I really believe that. And our coaches know him. They've met with him. He's another guy that they've shared ideas with. So he's done a really good job there. So this is based on that defense. Because the problem for Missouri, as you guys saw, I mean, he hit a couple plays. I'll give him that. But all year long, the problem for them has been the quarterback position. Brady Cook is not, he's not horrific. You know, he's not incompetent at that position. But he's certainly not the answer. And the really big problem with him is he just turns the ball over way too much. They had Auburn beat. I mean, Missouri, they had Auburn beat. And it wasn't necessarily Brady Cook's fault. But they had to invent ways to blow that game down the stretch. And that's why I have them ahead of Auburn. I mean, they were not ahead of Auburn. I jumped them ahead of Auburn even though Auburn beat them. I know. You're like, what, well, Tyler? That doesn't make sense. Auburn beat this Missouri team. How can you have them ahead of Auburn? Missouri had them beat, guys. Missouri was the better team all game long. And then they just created new ways to blow that game. You remember that kicker, Harrison Nevis the thicker kicker that was knocking down 50-plus yard field goals like it was child's play against us? That guy, keeping them in the game, keeping them in the lead and keeping us at bay. Well, that guy missed a 26-yard chip shot at the very end of regulation that would have won the game. He freaking missed it. I can't. It's inexplicable. He's been one of the best kickers in the country for two years running. Some way, somehow, they set that up. They had a nice drive to to end the game, set him up dead center for a 26-yard field goal attempt, and he pushed it right. Some way, somehow, and um, they lost that game. And then overtime, they had it. They, um, they force a field goal by Auburn. They get the ball second. the uh, running back. Pete, Nathaniel Pete's breaking away, reaches for the end zone, dives to the end zone, like a 20-yard run. Actually, I think it was like a catch-and-run. And as he switches the ball from his left hand, left hand to his right hand to stretch it across and, and hit the pylon, the ball falls out of his hand before it crosses the goal line goes out the back of the end zone touchback. Auburn wins I mean they just had to invent ways to lose that game so yeah I know they lost to Auburn but it was also at Auburn Missouri's better than them they played if, if Missouri played Auburn 10 times I think Missouri probably wins six or seven times so that is why I have them moving up a little bit ahead of the Auburn Tigers and also ahead of South Carolina I they think they're better defensively than South Carolina moving into the top 10 coming in at number 10 holding strong they've been here for I guess they were here version two and now also holding strong I had them all the way at number six in version 1.0 by virtue of their victory over a top 10 Utah team at least they were a top 10 Utah team they're not a top 10 Utah team nor we know they're not that football team but the Florida Gators are holding strong at number 10 I cannot have Florida higher than Kentucky because these teams have the same record and Kentucky beat them head-to-head in Gainesville Saying that, I do think Florida might have a higher ceiling than Kentucky before it's all said and done. I am open to that. I think they have, they have better talent. Well, obviously, it's a transition year the coaching staff, but they might have a higher ceiling. Will they get there? I don't know, but I think talent-wise, they probably have a higher ceiling in Kentucky, but they lost at home to Kentucky, so I cannot have them ahead of Kentucky right now. Florida just got outgained by Missouri at home, guys. Again, another reason why I have Missouri moving up a couple spots. And it was another stellar passing performance by former Heisman Trophy contender Anthony Richardson with 66 whole yards and 4.7 whole yards per attempt in that game against that Missouri defense. It wasn't the Florida offense that won them that game. It was a pick six. That was the difference in the game. They, they beat Missouri at home by a touchdown. A pick six was the difference early in that game. And look, Anthony Richardson in this offense, what they do is they beat up on talent deficient or inept defenses. That's what they do. If it's a really bad defense and a team they just like truly outclass the talent, they'll put up a bunch of numbers on them. They will. But they go into a shell when they face a defense with an actual pulse. And then defensively, Florida's fine. They're okay. I don't think they really have any major game changers. Maybe Gervon Dexter on the interior of that defensive line. But outside of him, they're just kind of okay. They're kind of average. They're not bad defensively. They're just not great. They're kind of middle of the pack. They're solid. They're fine. They're whatever. But offensively, against good teams, they just they can't do anything. They 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 simply cannot move the ball with any sort of consistency. Certainly cannot move the ball through the air. They they run the ball pretty well, but their past game has been anemic against anyone with even like the faintest of pulses out there. All right, moving up, number nine, Kentucky also holding strong. This team, man, I told you guys, I told you guys in the preseason that I thought Tennessee was the clear second best team in the SEC. I had Tennessee going 9-3. Might be 10-2 at this point, but I had them going 9-3. I had Kentucky going 6-6. Six and six. I had some people call me out on that and say, Tyler, 6-6, six and six, I mean, you're the disrespect for Mark Stoops and this Kentucky program. And guys, I have a ton of respect for Mark Stoops and this Kentucky program. I just... Didn't see the playmakers on offense. Will Levis, getting you know, all this NFL hype, first round draft pick, maybe the first quarterback taken. It's like, all right, man, maybe maybe he's Josh Allen. Maybe, but he is not that guy at the college level. He's not a productive quarterback at the SEC level. At the college level right now, you lose your best playmaker at wide receiver. You're starting running backs and be suspended for at least the first four games. And I, I just didn't see it. Defensively, I didn't think that they were gonna, they didn't have the personnel to be that good this year. They're always going to be competent defensively because that's, who Mark Stoops is and he'll always have a good solid defense but I didn't see this being an elite defense I had them going six and six and I I feel pretty good about that right now maybe they end up seven and five I had them I had them losing to four they won that game so that kind of threw me off there Uh, I had them losing to Ole Miss which they did lose I had them losing to South Carolina which they did lose I also had them losing to Mississippi State which they played them this week and right now I think I'm going to pick Mississippi State in that game I had them losing at Tennessee I think the Price are going to lose that game I kind of hope they win that game but I think. Probably gonna lose that game and then had them losing to us. So maybe they end up seven and five. But I mean, I don't think I was that far off there. And pretty much the reasons why I felt they were gonna be six and six in the preseason have kind of held true. Their offense just sucks. All right, guys, that's the bottom line. Their offense is terrible. They are bottom four in total offense in the SEC, in yards per play offensively, scoring offense, points per play, and explosiveness, and they are shockingly still dead last in rushing offense in the SEC. They're averaging under 100 yards a game, and I know that Chris Rodriguez missed the first four games, but that, I mean, guys, that shouldn't it still shouldn't be that bad. I mean, under a hundred yards a game and he's been back for a couple of weeks now and they're still under a hundred yards a game running the football. If Kentucky can't run the ball for hundred yards a game and Will Levis is your quarterback, you aren't winning many football games at the college level. You just are not, especially in the SEC because Will Levis isn't that guy. He's got all the physical tools, but he's never been that guy and you can't just magically expect him to be halfway through his final year in college. So I got them at number nine. Devens has been solid, but not elite and just not really not good enough to compensate for what's been a bad offense. Let's just be real guys. It's been a bad Kentucky offense. So they're coming in at number nine. All right. Number eight, I've got the LSU Tigers. They are down guys down from number six. So I just talked myself up and patted myself on the back for my preseason Kentucky prediction. Well, if I do that, then I got to kind of rip myself for my preseason LSU prediction. I, I kind went of went out on a limb on this one. Usually, honestly, when I go out on limbs and I have a feeling, it kind of pays off more often than not. This year with LSU, it has not, at least to this point. It's not going to. I had them going 10-2. and two. Uh, I thought they'd beat Tennessee in the preseason, but and Tennessee, I, I thought Tennessee would be good. Again, I had them 9-3. and three. Tennessee's I don't know if they've exceeded my expectations. I thought LSU would be a little bit more explosive on offense with Jayden Daniels at quarterback, and that's where I went wrong. They have not been as explosive on offense. I thought Brian Kelly as an offensive guy. A longtime play caller would be able to get this offense humming. I thought Jaden Daniels kind of raised the ceiling for this team. I thought Kayshawn Bouti would be much better. I thought he was one of the best receivers in the league because he kind of was coming into the season, but he has been MIA all season long, and they just cannot get the pass game going. I do have them ahead, uh, or I have them a little bit behind Texas A&M, which we'll get to in a second, because I think the A&M is slightly more talented than LSU. LSU is still a talented football team, guys. That's another reason why I had them going nine and three in the preseason. It's a talented football team. They've they've been recruiting well. They always recruit well, but they just they haven't they haven't gotten it going offensively. I think they're starting to kind of figure out who they are on offense, which is running the football and using the quarterback run game with Jaden Daniels. But again, the passing game, they have not been able to get going. Defense is good, but it's not a dominant or like elite defense. It's kind of the same thing I said about Kentucky. It's a better defense than the Kentucky defense, but this, the same concept holds true. While it's a good defense, it's not good enough to compensate for what has been a mediocre LSU offense to this point. Now, I know Tennessee beat them down, was it 40-13? But if you guys watch that game, I mean, look guys, LSU gave them, what, 10 14, 17 points or so in the first quarter of that game, the First, at least the first half of that game, would just, I mean, I guess Brian Kelly was trying to be aggressive because he didn't, he didn't think they would be able to hang with them and score with them, but just made some really boneheaded decisions, like three of them, to go for it on, on fourth down and cost them some points, cost them a field goal, gave Tennessee short fields and, and gave them some points. I mean, Brian Kelly made that game, uh, made the final score more inflated for Tennessee than what it was. I mean, I think Tennessee's probably about I don't know, seven, 14 to 17 points better than LSU. I don't think they're 27 points better than LSU. And they also got you know lucky by that game being at noon or 11 local time there and not a night game in Baton Rouge. But regardless, Tennessee's better than LSU, and LSU's just not who I thought they were. They're Probably, uh, I think they can rebound and maybe be like 8-4-ish maybe. Maybe maybe and four seven five somewhere on there, but they're not going to be nine and three. If they they end up eight and four, I won't feel too bad about that pick. Wait, I take that back. I did not have them nine and three. I got to bash myself a little more. I had them going ten and two. Yeah, ten and two. So even finish eight and four, that's a bad pick. Any way you slice it, can't really defend that one. Just missed on that one. All right, number seven. I've got the Texas A&M Aggies moving up ever so slightly from version 2.0 of these power rankings. They were up from number 8 in version 2.0. And honestly, guys, I have them here ahead of LSU by virtue of talent alone. And that performance since Alabama, I think that should be somewhat encouraging for A&M fans. They're still not going to be good this year. When I had them in the preseason. I had them going 9-3. Uh, and three. So, yeah, I mean, I missed on that. I did, I, I did not think they were a true contender for the SEC West. I thought LSU might actually be better than them. I think LSU might maybe possibly. We'll see how that game plays out. Uh, that game's in in uh, College Station, though. So, I mean, a will probably win that game, because they'll be better by the end of the year. And the Bama game, I think maybe you're seeing some of the young talent starting to figure some things out. They're still not good. And the, the two problems for them, here's why I can't have AM higher than seven, despite all the talent they have on this team. Because their two big problems are not getting fixed this year, and those problems are a quarterback play and b offensive system in general. Jimbo Fisher's got to give it the play call, guys. It's antiquated. He wants to sit there and say, "Well, we do the same things everybody else does." no you don't dude like yeah okay yeah some people run inside zone you also run inside zone but there's a lot of things other teams are doing that you don't do okay let's just be real all right you got he's got to give up the play calling he's got to give it up because it's been a couple years now the big problem kind of holding them back from like truly taking that next step is they lack explosiveness offensively everything that everyone said about our offense for all those years has is and has been true of the AM offense for a couple of years now under Jimbo Fisher, and you're finally starting to see it this year. People just want to ignore it because they're like, "Oh, good this recruiting class, good that recruiting class." Well, their offense has sucked. It has it, been that way for a couple of years, and now everyone's finally seeing that. And Corbett plays a problem. Maybe, maybe Connor Weigman is the guy that the, the big five star true freshman. I'm honestly surprised they haven't gone to him at this point just to get him some experience. He must just must not be like even remotely close to ready to play. But Corbett play is not getting fixed this year offensive system is not getting fixed this year until Jimbo gives up play calling duties maybe next year with all that talent if they fix those two things then this team can finally take that next step but it ain't happening this year so they're sitting right there and kind the of mill the pack of the SEC and moving to number six this one hurts me guys I don't take any pleasure in this I've got the Arkansas Razorbacks coming at number six they they fallen a little bit guys I had them at number four in each of the first two editions of these power rankings, and maybe that was a little bit of wishful thinking, but I I, I just got to own that. I mean, I would have, I had Arkansas going oh yeah uh, eight and four is that what I had them? So I mean, and maybe they end up eight and four. I mean they're three and three right now. But here's why I have no I take no pleasure in this. I've told you guys several times I have a big win total bet on Arkansas. I have a couple of big ones. I have a big win total bet on. TCU, which is about the same as I had on Arkansas, to be honest with you, which I feel really good about that one right now. I had a big one on Arkansas to go over 6.5. at TCU over 6.5, and, and I had BYU over 7.5. Those are my three biggest. I had a couple other ones, but those are my three big ones. Arkansas and BYU play this week, so I, I don't know who I want to win that one. I think I want Arkansas to win because I had a little bit more money on Arkansas in that game, and plus it's an SEC team. But here's what I didn't anticipate for Arkansas this year. Their offense is what I thought it would be. I mean, when KJ Jefferson is healthy – But the defense is not what I thought it would be. The front seven is good. That's what I thought it would be. I did not think they would be as bad as they are in the secondary. Now, injuries have had a lot to do with that, but they are so bad. I mean, you can't, it can't be fully explained by injuries because this team is 127th nationally in pass defense. 116th nationally in yards per pass allowed eight. 0.5 0.5 yards per pass guys that is or per, per attempt that's crazy that's so so bad it's almost like Michigan State level's bad last year so I I know there's been injuries and you lost multiple starters in the, in the back end that hurts but dear god you can't be that bad And that AM game man like they had a and beat they had them beat you guys saw I know you saw I know you saw that kick go off the top of the upright and you probably pointing and laughing and going oh my god and I was like crying I was dying inside. It was like, oh my God, I needed that so bad. And yep, that's how that's how sports betting works sometimes. You win some, you lose some. And I'm not giving up on Arkansas. I'd really like for them to win this week. But when you're that bad in your past defense and you're back in, like, man... It's going to be tough. Every game is going to be tough. Now, they do lead the league in sacks, so there's somewhat a hope. It's it's so weird. It's like this weird split where they're so good rushing the passer. They have 21 sacks on the year, guy. That leads the SEC. Drew Sanders himself, the transfer from Bama, has got six and a half already, halfway through the year. But yet, they're so bad against the pass. It really is. It's, it's an all-or-nothing thing for them right now with the pass rush or giving up big plays in the past it's like either they give to the quarterback or they give him a big play I mean it's it's an all or nothing thing so I've had to drop Arkansas I don't want to do that I really don't but I got to man that pass defense is just like it, I kept holding out hope maybe they'll get better if they get a little healthier but no it's it's just not gonna happen it's not gonna happen so they're at number six And before we move into the top five, let me quickly remind you guys about our good friends at Alumni Hall. They are holding their big meet and greet with current UGA football players, just a whole host of guys, names that you will know, names that you will recognize that will be in store this weekend from 2 to 4 p.m. on Sunday following the Vanderbilt game. There's a bunch of guys. I mean, off the top of my head, I know Dan Jackson's going to be there, Smile Mondin, Robert Beale, a bunch of other guys are going to be there. So bring your family Let your kids meet them. You can meet them. Everyone have a great time. Pick up some great Georgia gear while you are there, and it's a win-win for everybody. Again, that's in-store inside the Epps Bridge Shopping Center here in Athens, Sunday, October 16th from 2 to 4 p.m. I promise you guys, you're not going to want to miss this.
0: You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.
1: Okay, guys, let's move into the top five here. Coming at number five, up from number seven, one of our biggest movers, at least one of our biggest upward movers with this version are the Mississippi State Bizarro Dogs. I had this team going, let's double check here because I'm reading these off. I had Mississippi State going eight and four in the preseason. So I was a little bit higher on this team than a lot of other people were. And I'm beating myself in the head right now because I was going back and forth on whether I should put a big win total bet in the preseason on Mississippi State to go over six and a half or Arkansas to go over six and a half. I felt Mississippi State, as I said, all offseason was way better than their final record last year. I mean, they were, their total yardage margins were better than a bunch of teams that won like 10 games last year, including a team like, like Michigan State, for example, who was like more smoke and mirrors. I felt that was a really good team that just found some ways to lose games. and A lot of guys coming back, a lot of returning talent, but I I didn't like the schedule because I knew they had to play us and they had to play Alabama, obviously, which Arkansas does too. And really the deciding factor for me was Arkansas did not have to play us. And I did not want to have like any kind of... Obviously, there'd be no divided loyalties there, but that was the deciding factor for me there. And it shouldn't have been because even though they play us in Bama, Mississippi State's going to easily go over six and a half wins this year. This is a really, really good football team. And yes, they did beat Arkansas last week. KJ Jefferson did not play, but you know what? They might've beaten them anyway. But it's a good football team, guys. And I did have them beating a and which they have done. Uh, but they are better than even I thought that they would be. I was a little higher on them. I think most people were, but they're better than, again, even I thought they would be. Um, the schedule, though, has not been overly taxing to this point. It gets a little tougher. Um, they, yeah, they beat A&M, but that might be a five or six loss a and team. They got them at home. They did beat Arkansas last week. Good for them. But that was Arkansas without KJ, KJ Jefferson, who is the engine of that Arkansas team. And the schedule is going to pick up. You look at the next couple of weeks, they've got at Kentucky this week. I think they win that game. It's still a, a tricky game there. And then at Alabama, Auburn at home, they're going to beat Auburn. Then they got us. And then, you, of course, wrap things up with the Egg Bowl at the end of the season. So there's some potential losses down the stretch. But right now, this is a one-loss team. It honestly should probably be an undefeated team. They lost to LSU earlier in the year in week three, but they controlled that game really for three quarters and blew it late, kind of what happened with Missouri, you know, against us, honestly, they, they controlled that game for three quarters, and then just got sloppy late, made some mistakes, and LSU made enough plays, and they were able to win that game, But Mississippi State could legitimately be undefeated right now, this is a good football team, so I got them at number five in version 3.0, just ever so slightly ahead of Mississippi State, and initially, I did have State inside the top four, and I had Ole Miss at number five, but I reversed course on this. The more I thought about it, so I've got Ole Miss coming in at number four. They're up one spot. I had them at number five. They're up number four now. And this is a team like I, I felt good about Mississippi State in the preseason. I really did. I thought they were easily gonna go over six and a half. I probably should have put a win total bet on them anyway. But I, again, with us playing them, I just backed off on that. But Ole Miss, I wasn't exactly sure what to think about in the preseason. I went back and forth with them, like from ten and two. Maybe to even possibly like as low as seven and five because there were just so many new pieces with this Ole Miss team and with the transfer portal. It's just kind of hard to gauge how those pieces will fit together. I will say I did predict looking at Ole Miss' schedule and the preseason. I told you guys I thought they would start out seven and zero and be right around the top five in in the AP poll before going into a brutal five game stretch and if they win this weekend if they beat uh if they beat auburn this weekend at home which i mean they should they are going to be seven and zero. and i don't know if they'll be in the top five or they're number nine right now but they're going to be like right around there right they'll be seven eight somewhere around there but then listen to this their final five games at lsu which is winnable now but at lsu at a&m seems more winnable than it did the preseason but still tough game then alabama at home at arkansas then mississippi state i mean that's tough guys I think they probably, in that five-game stretch, I mean, they can go. I can, I can see them going three and two. I can see that happening. But, I mean, two and three might even be more likely there. So, it's still probably going to be a, a nine and three. Maybe a, Maybe a back-to-back 10-2 and two team for Ole Miss this year. I had them going eight and four. That's where I settled in the preseason. I think it would be better than that. But I, I, they are better. They are better than I thought they would be. Mainly defensively. That's the big thing. This defense, this Ole Miss defense right now, guys, is top five in the SEC in total defense, Yards per play allowed, scoring defense, points per play, and sacks. In all those categories, guys. And they're also 13th nationally in S&P Plus defense. This Ole Miss D has been every bit the equal of their offense. And when have you ever been able to say that about an Ole Miss defense under Lane Kiven? I mean, what's the narrative always been? It's always been, well, they win in spite of that defense. Well, the offense is great, but man, can they stop anybody? That's always been the narrative. But they are playing some really good football right now. The question is, at this point, how inflated is all of that production especially defensively based on their schedule we're going to find out we're going to find out here as I get into the the stretch run but I will say this for them it's kind of like the the Vanderbilt offense like yeah they put up 600 yards against Hawaii Hawaii is bad but this is Vanderbilt we're talking about they haven't come close to doing that against anyone in years and it's kind of the same thing for this Ole Miss demons. they haven't been anywhere near this level of good there hasn't been near this level of defensive production under Lane Kiffin even against bad teams during his tenure so they're definitely significantly improved on that side of the ball. And then offensively, they're starting to kind of find a pass game to go along with what I think might be the best rushing attack in the league with guys like Zach Evans and the freshman Quinshawn Judkins. Jackson Dart has also been surprisingly a, a, a big part of their run game, which I didn't necessarily think he was going to be. I didn't see him as a Matt Corral kind of guy, but they kind of used him that way. So this whole Miss team has been really impressive, but we'll see um, how things go once they hit the meat of that schedule here over the last month or so of the season which of course is going to take us into the top three. I think, can you make an argument for Tennessee to be in the top two? Maybe, 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 but I'm not going to make that argument right now. We'll be able to have a better gauge of this after this weekend against Alabama, right? Because it is. It is put up or shut up time for Tennessee this week. We know what they are offensively. I've told you each of the first two times that we've done these power rankings, the reason I had Tennessee in the top three is they had something that very few teams could say they had in the SEC, and that is an elite unit, an elite side of the ball. And their offense is that. It is very, very, very good. The metrics are great all the way around. But I still have some questions about where this defense is right now. Are they... What their scoring defense numbers say they are, because the scoring numbers say they're borderline top 20 nationally. Because they are they're like 22nd nationally in scoring defense. Or are they more what basically every other metric out there says this defense is, which is like, oh, they're like a you know somewhere between like 70 and 90th in the country. Like that's the range they are in every other metric, whether it's first downs allowed, yards per play, yards per game, those kind of things. I guess yards per play, I think they're like top 50, but they're not top 20 good and in all those other metrics. The only, only metric their top 20 good defensively is scoring defense, and that's because they have been really good in the red zone. I think they're holding teams to 40% touchdown rate inside the red zone, but I just don't think that is sustainable once they hit the better teams on their schedule when those teams are moving consistently up and down the field on this Tennessee defense. So I think they're going to come back down to earth on the scoring defense numbers, and uh, they're going to score points. They're going to score points, I just don't know if they're going to be able to score enough points against the better teams in their schedule that are able to exploit some of the deficiencies that they have still in that defense, especially the back end of that defense. So we'll see. We'll see. I I, I don't think they win this weekend. I know their, their fans are pumped up and they should be, man. They rightfully so. I hate Tennessee. I hate their fans. I really do. But I, I respect passion and And, you know, it's, it's, I guess in some weird way, it's, you know, you know, good for them, I guess, but I don't want them to win. I'll just say that. I don't want them to win. So, uh, yeah, Tennessee, someone I'm sure would try to make the argument, had them inside the top two. And we'll see maybe after this week, I'll have to make that argument. But right now, until I see them do it against an elite team, because they haven't really done against anybody worth much. I mean, it was at LSU, but it was an 11 o'clock local kick. LSU is not great this year. I mean, they went to overtime to beat Pitt, which is a Pitt team that lost to Tech. So, I mean, I don't know. I still got them at number three, which is where I've had them each of, now all three of the versions of these power rankings. And finally, let's talk about the Georgia versus Alabama debate. Now, in version one and version two, I had our Georgia Bulldogs atop these SEC power rankings. And I had a hard time trying to decide who I wanted to put at number one in version 3.0. I went back and forth on this, guys, because I'm having a hard time really distinguishing between Alabama and Georgia. Like, who is the better team? You know, after the Oregon game, I told you, hell yeah, it's Georgia, because hell yeah, it was, right? You know, based, on, based off the information that we had to operate off of, that's how I felt. After South Carolina, I told you the same thing, but we've, we've seen a couple other performances that were not as stellar, I guess is the nicest way to say that, that we bounced back really nice against Auburn. Auburn's not a good football team. We should have done that to Auburn. Alabama's the same thing. They've had some really dominant performances, and then they had this head-scratching game against Texas I mean I know Texas is pretty talented but when Ewers goes out early in that game and Hudson Cargis banged up and they still almost lose to Texas maybe should have lost that game with that crazy uh should have been intentional grounding call in the end zone they didn't call it um they easily probably should have lost to A&M now that was without Bryce Young though so I kind of go back and forth on who should be number one and guys I am totally splitting hairs here if you put georgia one i get it you can make that argument and i'm not going to argue with you If you put Bama number one i get it you can make that argument i'm not going to argue with you i mean it's it's either way here right but this time around i'm going to duck for cover here don't hate me guys don't hate me but right now i am i'm making the move here i got alabama coming in ever so slightly ahead of georgia in my sec power rankings version 3.0 and let me explain why Okay, before you kill me, before you turn this off and never listen again, let me explain why. I'm trying to be as objective as possible. In my heart, I don't want to do this. My heart is breaking right now into pieces just saying this, but I got to try to be as objective as I can. And look, both teams have been alternately utterly dominant on one hand and then like mystifyingly inconsistent on the other hand. It's hard to make sense of it. Both teams are still two of the three right there with Ohio State most talented teams in the country. You really cannot argue that. Bama. The thing is, Bama has been hitting on more cylinders. Going back to what Josh, uh, our good friend Josh, asked in our mailbag question earlier this week. He asked, you know, if Georgia was a six-engine car, how many cylinders are we hitting on right now? And I said probably four-ish right now, maybe four and a half, right? Maybe getting a little bit out of that fifth one. But I think Bama has been hitting on more of their cylinders than we have of late. And I know, yeah, recency bias. We just saw what we saw against Texas A&M but I'm kind of somewhat throwing out that game because Bryce young did not play that's not the real Alabama team not with Ja not with Milro quarterback I'm sorry it's just not and I realize he, on the other hand you can also say well Bama has had two close calls against inferior opponents like am and uh in Texas compared to Georgia's one but I, I do think that's a little bit of a lazy take again I mean Bryce young did not play last week I kind of throw that game out against am and I I mean guys Missouri I think is their defense is Better than people give it credit for, but Texas is a better team than Missouri. If Texas and Missouri played, Texas would win that game, they win it pretty handily, in my opinion. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, they've had some close calls, but I, I still think you can make the argument that Bama should be number one in the SEC Power Rankings. They're, it's close, guys. They're, Bama's SP Plus offense is four, ours is, is fifth in the country. So, offensively, they're a little bit better, at least according to the SP Plus, but it's pretty close. Um, I, I will say their offense has been this it's been a little bit more efficient and it's been a good bit more explosive. They are averaging 7.49 yards per play. We are averaging 7.24. So both two really efficient offenses, but Bama's been a little bit more efficient. Uh, Explosiveness, they've been more explosive. They have 18 plays of 30 or more yards versus 11 for us. They have 11 plays of 40 or more yards versus only three for us, more than triple the number that we have, almost quadruple the number of 40-plus yard plays that we have. And, guys, that's also with a game and a half of SEC play with a backup quarterback, with Milrow, at quarterback in the second half of the Arkansas game and then obviously the entire game against AM. So they're a little bit more efficient and a good bit more explosive than us offensively, at least they have been to this point. And then defensively, guys, we've been good on defense. We have, we've been very good on defense. But statistically speaking, Bama has been better than we have been. They are number two in the S&P Plus defensive rankings. We're good, we're number three, we're right there. Again, we're splitting so many hairs here. But look at some other numbers here. Um, They're giving up 250 yards per game defensively. We're giving up 263, splitting hairs yet again. Here's where it's not so much splitting hairs. We are giving up 4.6 yards per play defensively. They're only giving up 3.77. So they're almost about almost a yard better than us in terms of defensive efficiency and yards per play allowed. A sack percentage, as you might imagine, it's not even close. Um, They have an 8.78 sack percentage versus 2.98 for us. Um, we are giving up 10.7 points per game, Bama's giving up 12.5, so you say, oh, well, there's someone for Georgia, and sure, I'll take it, man, I mean, again, we're totally splitting hairs here, I don't, I don't know how many times I can say that, but Bama is giving up fewer points per play than we are by a very small margin, but a, a, a little bit less in terms of points per play, but guys, let me also say this, I do have Bama number one right now, I've made that move just for this one version, But this is by no means a done deal. I'm not saying BAM is number one. This is what it's going to be. This is a, a living, breathing thing. These power rankings that I'm doing, guys, all these different versions, it's a living, breathing entity that can and will change, and it has changed as we get more data. These teams are not static. Teams grow, teams improve, teams get worse, right? Here's what I will say for Georgia. I think that we have more room for growth this season than Bama does considering how young and experienced we are at a lot of key spots on our team. And also how many injuries that we have had to deal with to key players for weeks now. I know Bryce Young obviously has been out for a, a game and a half or so, but we've, we haven't have seen A.D. Mitchell since the Sanford game. We've hardly seen Jalen Carter since the Sanford game. We're talking about our best defensive player, our best wide receiver. These guys have been banged up. Kendall Milton hasn't been fully healthy all year long. We've had some injuries at linebacker now with Smile Mondin. So, you know, this team, you factor in the injuries, the inexperience, the youth, If we continue to grow, like I know that we will because we have such an incredible coaching staff that develops these players throughout the season, if we continue to grow at the rate that I think that we will and that we traditionally do, we absolutely 100% can develop into a better team by the time any potential matchup between Georgia and Alabama would take place this year. We absolutely have the ability to reclaim the top spot from Bama, maybe as soon as version 4.0 a little bit later in the year. Maybe. But right now, where we're sitting, I just think I've seen enough over the past, you know, three, four weeks here to say that Bama is moving up to to the number one spot. They're gonna jump us for now. For now. And again, that's not to say that we can't beat Bama if we play them. Doesn't mean that we can't take this top spot back from them. We absolutely can. But right now, I'm gonna put Bama at number one, have Georgia at number two in my SEC power rankings version 3.0 so I'm sorry guys I don't mean to offend anyone out there I'm just trying to be as honest with you as I possibly can we're still really 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 good one of the three best teams in the country in my opinion but I got Bama at number one right now but all right guys that's all I've got for you today here on the podcast Charlie will wrap the week up with me with our week seven picks of the week gave you some more winners last week we got some more on hand for you this week as well so make sure to come back and check that out But thank you for being here, guys. We love you. I'm Tyler, and as always, go, dogs.